Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 584. Going to recap the week in fab. Talk about some players that are uh, of conversation because they're either hot, cold, or just question marks on what the heck is going on with their skill set. In order to break all this down, as regularly, I'm not going to say as usual because there will be weeks where there will be uh, missing points here, but my semi-regular co-host on this Monday slash Tuesday edition of Bench with Bubba, you can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Mike Curlin, how are we doing, my friend? Listen, Bubba, you just keep bringing me on. Bring me on. I'll keep sitting the bar low, and we'll be good to go. Uh, it's a very, <laughs> very, very high bar. What are you talking about? You're doing great. Um, Maybe yeah, high so, if you listen to me. <laughs> you got, uh, <laughs> what do you got going on at Gaining the Edge this week? Uh, more of the usual, man. I just put out. We're actually going to release it from the paywall probably after the show. So uh, I'm going to – it's the you know the usual, the lineup analysis, the playing time, the performance stuff. Breaking down savant stuff still, still monitoring, especially pitchers early on. You're seeing pitchers go through ups and downs, like through the first four or five starts. So I'm trying to catch what's changing to make the good and bad happen. And do are they making these changes? And it, it have, is it sticking? Is it kind of like a, okay, they may change one time. for So we're kind of really getting really granular. And these are all in the notes pretty much right now daily. Obviously, as the season goes on, it'll probably be more so three to four times a week. But for now, it's been daily. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, what else do we got? I don't know. We always something. <laughs> the the Discord's always going off. Uh, the Athletic, I do the once every two to three week article, which kind of takes big bigger points of what I'm already doing daily for Patreon and kind of puts it like almost like a, hey, this has been happening over the last two weeks. Boom. And even then, it's not as in-depth as it is for the Patreons because I have a special place in my heart for those people. Plus, mm-hmm. I feel the need to provide a you know, a little bit more of a of a service for them so That's shameless true. plug of course yeah no patreon's awesome between you jorge simeon and then i throw in some stuff once in a while it's uh it's a lot of fun patreon patreon.com backslash gte fantasy come check it out folks as low as five dollars a month uh let's talk some players let's have some fun it was fun breaking sure. down some guys last week so i started taking like notes on my phone to, like just wrote down names to remind me to throw them on the outline this week and I want to start with one that I forgot to mention last week because a member of our Patreon, Beku, B-E-K-U, he asked about it. I said, yeah, we'll talk about Bench with Bubba. Totally forgot. My bad. Well, it kind of works out. It's Christian Javier who's had kind of a rough go of late, but then he throws in like a, a pretty okay start. Then it kind of like, eh, what happened start? 
Well, he had a really good start in Atlanta with 10 Ks, one earned run on a, on a home run, but he still doesn't seem like the dominating force, I should say, that we expected Christian Javier to be. When you look at a guy like Christian Javier, what are you seeing? Are you like still like, okay, he's still one of the top pitchers in, in the game, or is there some red flags that make you kind of step back a little bit? So it's weird. No, there's actually a lot of encouraging things when I look at his profile. And it was the fact, you know, the fact, you know, he's sitting there with a low three ZRA. So that's rock solid. I know 2.54 last year, but I think he'll get there considering what we're seeing. Now, the walks are down, which is normally a good thing, but sort of the case. So he's and you notice he is giving up a little more contact than usual. Nothing crazy or, or substantial. But part of the issue is, is the contact is hard slash loud, you know, hardest, the second hardest hard hit rate of his career to this point and the highest barrel rate. The first time it's ever been double digits in his career to this point for, for Christian Javier. But on the good side, like the, the side of that, like there's another part of this. I'm looking at this. I'm like, why is he not getting more strikeouts? He has a career high swing strike rate to this point, And by far, like the highest chase rate of his career with a 38.1% O swing, which for those at home don't know, that's a that's pretty much the chase rate. And it's about six and a half points, a little more than six and a half points higher than league average in a good way. But he's doing all he's missing more bats while simultaneously allowing more contact. It's weird. It's almost like he's hitting the spots, hitting the spots, and he just doesn't. I'm, I'm guessing I'd have to look at heat maps but and stuff like that. But all things considered, there's a lot to like under the hood there still. And I do expect more strikeouts to come if he's missing more bats. And we already saw him take a step in that direction, Javier, with the big strikeout game against Atlanta. So all things considered, I'm still wildly optimistic for the outcome here. Obviously, I, I do think having the expectation of a low to like a mid twos, high twos ERA guy was still lofty, but we're talking about a low three ERA right now for Javier and what would we, what, what, like you mentioned, what we call our struggling uh, starter right now. So I, I don't, he's struggling compared to standards, I guess, of last season, but all things considered, this isn't like Shane Bieber type of red flags. This is like, okay, kind of a slow start. There's really encouraging things in the profile. Javier, I think is a good guy. If you're in a trade league, if you could buy low, I would. I still expect him to be a top 10 to 15 starter most of the season, if not the rest of the way. It's just one of those things where pitching so hard to come by and he's not exactly being bad in a pro in a landscape where there are landmines everywhere and injuries everywhere. So if someone's really down on them and you can, I'd be buying low. And again, we don't play, I don't play in tra trade leads anymore, but if I did, I would definitely go out of my way to try to make an offer. Yeah, for sure. Like there, there's, there's some weird, like we talked about, People are concerned with Christian Javier, which is is kind of surprise to me. But I get it when you watch some of his starts, even the ones where he, the bottom line, he didn't give a lot of runs or anything. They still like he battled. It wasn't the not the dominating yeah. Christian Javier we, we wanted. But um, in the end, he, he's getting it done, like you said. I think the fact he's getting the O swing and the and the, the swinging strike is big. Uh, he's getting fewer called strikes by a couple percentage this year, so maybe that's affecting the K rate a little bit. But it's a massive. It's like an eight percent drop in strikeout rate. That's a big like huh, where'd those go? But we'll see. I think one thing we've noticed, or at least I've noticed, and I could be just totally just, you know, forecasting imaginations into my head. As the season's gone on, like, it was really, really bad early. There's still some bad ones each week. I'm not going to say there's not. But it's almost like pitchers might be getting more comfortable with the clock or little things like that. And we're going to see guys um, start to, you know, still have bad starts here and there, but maybe overall start sinking it in. We'll see. A lot of speculations, of course. This one I had to bring up here because – I want to see if you're seeing what I'm seeing or if I'm just being naive in this situation. But Joey Gallo, I wrote him up in uh, both the uh, waiver wire columns this past weekend. I wrote him up in a couple other articles this week because I just kept looking at Joey Gallo's numbers. And it was mind boggling to me seeing just how productive he's been this year. And I know he missed some time on the IL, so it's a smaller 
sample size, but you have a guy in Joey Gallo who has played in 12 games so far, 40 plate appearances, five home runs, uh, 235 batting average, which people might laugh at, but that's that's good for Joey Gallo. Like three straight years below 200, we'll take 235. That's actually like the second best in his career if the season ended right now. Um, 15% walk rate is doing that, but the 32.5% strikeout rate has dropped a bit, which I think is very, very promising. And it's just the type of contact he's making, which really, really got me intrigued in Joey Gallo. Like much fewer ground balls, a lot more fly balls. That means the home run to fly balls going up. He's doing so many things that kind of reminisce the old Joey Gallo. Could he go on a slump in two seconds? A hundred percent. I am not going to say that. But are you seeing anything that you might, you don't have to agree with me, but do you see a different Joey Gallo this year? It might be more fantasy relevant than years past, or is it just like a big cloud of fakeness? It's just tough because you mentioned with Gallo, it's a constant up and down roller coaster of emotions and production with Gallo, you know? And there are things like, oh, you look at the 188 Babbitt, but last year was 219. I know there's no shift, but you also you, you alluded to it. The absolute fly ball, like we're talking a 76% fly ball rate and an 81% pull rate. I understand the shift is gone, but he is like Gallo's out here doing the extreme of the extremes right now. And mm-hmm. so that Babbitt is almost deserved. So that's why that, that's why I like to make sure we talk about it a little bit. Understand approach, because approach will affect. Uh, certain things like BABIP, like a player under or overperforming certain stats, especially expected stats. That's where you have to get. That's where you get into the where you really have to dive in and get into the nitty gritty of these things because you're looking at you know you can go look at expected stats and all that, and then you have to figure out why are they under or overproducing. Some players just do it naturally. So a little digress, uh, digress a little bit there. But anyway, you mentioned that I just thought it was super extreme. I'm like, all right, cool. And then there, but there is one thing that's really encouraging. You mentioned the strikeout rates being a little down, and the walk rates are actually up a little bit. And he's never had an issue with walking, but. The thing about Gallo that I did notice when I looked into his profile a little more was the fact that, you know, he's back to not chasing a whole lot. Last year, we saw Gallo chase a lot. This year, it's back down to 22%, which is roughly where he's usually at. Meanwhile, at least three out of the last four years. However, he's actually swinging a career high amount. Yep. So what you're getting here is he's very patient while picking his spots almost perfectly. Look at the the zone swing. The zone swing. (laughs) 84.4%. And... So it's either he must be seeing the ball extremely well right now. And with that, you're seeing improvements in the contact rates. And so there are encouraging signs there. There's still going to be swing and miss in his game, obviously 15.2% swinging strike rate, but it's the best it's been since 2020. And, or sorry, of his career to this point, but 2020 was the last time it was even 15%. Oh, I lied. Nope, 2021, he had a good one. Uh, whatever, I missed that. Because he's he's full. It's, it's always high for him, though. But the yeah. point is, is that you mentioned it. The contact rates are up for Gallo. The not he's not chasing while increasing his swing total. So right there shows you he's being aggressive in the right way and reasons for optimism. Absolutely. But it's also just unsustainable things like the, what the thyroid was like 30%. The heart hit rates like 85% right now. It's, it's It's so ridiculous. He's not going (laughs) to, it's unsustainable. So you have to understand like when these things start coming down, so will that batting average and all that. So I still think he's more the player that he's always been, but I'm really encouraged by what we're seeing in terms of, the swing rates in the zone overall, he's being more aggressive without giving up what he's strong at in terms of that play discipline. So there's a give and take here. I do think we're running a little bit of a hot streak. All things considered, though, I think he's still going to be a positive ROI, especially for deeper leagues and shallower leagues right now. You mentioned 12s. I think he's definitely worth rostering right now for sure. But in 15s, no pun intended, but you kind of hit a home run because I don't know about you, but I was talking about how I could use his five home runs right now because my team is running wild. I mean, I know there's teams actually having issues with speed because most people didn't draft speed. That's part of the issue, too. I know a lot of teams drafted 
for power first and realize, thinking, oh, everyone's going to run more. But now you have to keep up with the teams that are running more and more. Like the guys, like I have a my combination on my main team, my main event is Acuna Mullins. Those that's two of the top three guys in stolen bases right now in the league. Yep. So like those guys are running even more than what that was anticipated. So now you might have drafted a little light on speed, thinking that your guys might steal a little more. But now the guys who already steal are stealing even more. So that that disparity still exists. And not drafting for speed, I I've, I've, I realized there's a lot more people that I, that I thought were would be. You know, dealing with issues with speed. That's why you know Jaron Duran was a kind of a popular ad this week, etc. Talk about that later. But all things considered, a guy like me, where I'm like I'm middling in power plus speed, I would definitely and I have good batting average on my team right now. He's great for my team build, but overall, I think you should be making a spot for him on your on your roster, no doubt. Yeah, and you hit on the other things I, I just love, just the, just the O swing down, but this, like we saw that zone swing. That's a humongous jump, and it correlates with the called strike rate below eight percent. He's always the double digit guy, so he's what you said is he's seen the ball very well. So it's a definite approach. Things he's seeing it well. He's pulling it more. He's elevating it more. So that'll naturally give him more barrels. Is thirty three percent like you said sustainable? No. Is an 86%, like literally over four out of every, like so almost five out of every six balls in play is hard hit. That's bonkers. Um, <laughs> but what he's doing is still pretty darn impressive. And the weather hasn't even gotten good in Minnesota yet. So yeah. that's something to see. And they're playing him at first base right now. And the latest reports on Kirilov, they say when he's ready, they might still keep him in AAA because of the way the team's built right now. So that kind of says a lot with what the Twins want to do with Joey Gallo. Again, this could all end quickly. Like, we're not <laughs> foolish in this, but it's a streaming guy that you run with now. Maybe he catches fire for a month, two weeks, four months. You don't know. What but you saw with Patrick Wisdom this last week is what Joey Gallo can do any given week. You know what I mean? So if you can 100%. get ahead of that, or if you are if you stashed him, because I know deeper leagues, I know people were probably stashing him because of the hot start. Yeah, that, uh, Wisdom yeah, did what guy. Jake Berger did. Like, he yeah. can do that kind of stuff. That's that's yeah. Gallo can do that for, but you mentioned he could do that. For, he, he could hit 10 to 15 home runs in a month. And no one would be surprised. But then he could follow up that next month with three home runs, batting 100. That's just the issue here. The, just watch <laughs> the week-to-week skill shi- skill shifts. That's all I have to say. Because yeah. jump jump off the ship before it gets real bad is what all is the only thing. Is watch watch that shift from time to time. Let's talk about a guy, Mr. Kerland, that uh, everyone's like, oh, how is he so cheap in drafts? He's gonna start hitting more home runs. Blah 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 blah. Jose Abreu. I think Father Time is catching up unless I'm missing something. He's hitting 250, which is very low for Jose Abreu. Um, zero home runs through 22 games. Like, we, like, home runs being down is one thing. Zero home runs, that's a whole other thing in my mind. 10 RBIs. He's striking out more than he ever has in his career. This does not look good, Mr. Curlin. So what's your thoughts on Jose Abreu right now? You're kind of – you kind of nailed it. When you said the strikeouts, you know, there's issues here. And I'm wondering how much of it is, is, is Abreu pressing? He's not even hitting the ball as hard as the previous years either. So far, the max EV has only been 109. You know, he's normally a 113 plus guy. But last year was also the lowest of his career heading into this year. So it's like now this would, this would make two straight years of seeing that, you know, because max EV is usually an indication of power potential. And we're seeing it kind of creep down for two straight seasons. Again, I don't expect 109 to be the max for the year for Abreu. However, we're talking about right now and what's going on right now. And, you know, the ground balls st- st- never were really great, but 46, 47% isn't where you want to be with his type of, you know, lack of uh, lack of speed. I'm just, I'm trying to see the, the line drive rate's the same as last year. The fly ball rate same as last year, kind of the same profile in terms of pull center, all that. I'm trying to find where the big issue is. And it just seems like he's not barreling the ball, not hitting it as hard. And that obviously will lead to lesser production. Oh, oh here it is. So and, and when you look at the uh, the plate discipline, you can, you see that, 
he's taking a step back in terms of he's chasing more. And that's why I mentioned is he is Brady pressing. The swing rate is up. He's chasing more than pretty much ever, except last time he chased this much, it's 39.2% was 2016 when he had 39.7%. So give you an idea of how patient and how much better he's been in terms of lack of lacking chases. But now he's chasing more. He has a higher swing strike rate than last year, but nothing crazy. It's still within pretty normal range if you look at the years previous for Brayu. So I'm like, what? he has some bad luck on the called strikes. If you want to look at that, uh, obviously not making as much contact. And that's kind of that's where the strikeouts are coming from. Because he's swinging more, he's chasing more, and making less contact overall. That's that's where your strikeouts are coming from. I just don't know if it's a pressing issue because again, there's not really the, the contact rates are concerned dipping, but it's so early in the season to say this is who he is. All of a sudden, I have a hard time believing that he is someone I'm probably benching for the time being. But that team's only going to get better. You have Brantley nearing a return. You have Altuve due to return in like a month or so. Uh, I think this team's going to slowly get better around him. And as he gets comfortable, I think Abreu could be in for a solid overall production bounce back. But right now, yeah, you can't start him with any confidence, especially if he's not giving you batting average. Then what is he giving you? Nothing right now. You know, because normally at least batting average with some pop. He's not giving you any pop. The batting average is down. Abreu is a guy that you're RBIs. probably sitting. RB, yeah. And even then, RBIs are 10. Like, I don't know. That's not, I was looking at the RBI leaderboard, and I think – I think there was a name. Oh, I think Kyle Tucker was like top 20 while batting sixth, like every day, fifth or sixth. I'm like, how does, how does he pull that one off? So yeah, it's just an idea of uh, RBIs are random are, are usually random, but he's a guy, you know, Brady's banging in the middle of that lineup. Those could have been a Brady's if you think about it. If, if Tucker's getting them batting sixth, like a Brady yeah. probably could have been driving those guys in. At least and that goes, it goes back to, you know, again, there's not a huge, I'm wondering, is it, is it, is it father time catching up or is it a slow start? I feel like we saw, didn't we see him start like this at one point last year or two years ago and he kind of turned it around. I, I don't know i'm not i'm not ready to give up on abreu i understand being uh, down on him and i understand sitting him right now but in terms of actually dropping him uh, maybe a 12 teamer just because again with everybody with 12 teamers you kind of are turning and burning you can't afford to i think he's worthy of a stash even there but you can't I'd afford sta- this production stash if you can still you can't afford that production in your lineup right now you need somebody who's going to give you you got to keep turning those lineup lineups over for production in shallow formats deeper leagues i'm still trying to sit on it's just a matter of who do i have available like right now i know garrett cooper kind of slowed down but that would have been a good name uh, like right now i'm inserting josh naylor into my lineups this week after showing signs of life late last week a couple games in a row a couple hits uh, he has three hits in the last two games total out of like eight at bats so he's slowly coming around there's some underlying stuff there like for nailer so like i'm starting nailer over Bray right now which is something you wouldn't have drafted them to do if i could avoid you know maybe pop someone else who's running hot in my ci or something but that's where i'm that's where i'm coming from that's what i would that's how i would treat Bray right now but dropping them is kind of premature in my opinion yeah, I wouldn't be dropping him either, but I am very concerned. I'll say that much. I, I don't like what I'm seeing with Jose Abreu. Uh, another guy you could put in the first base or outfield is Harold Ramirez. And I bring him up just because he was a popular ad- addition on Fab this week, so we could have talked about him later. But he's hitting 373 this year. And, you know, the, the Ks are, are normal, like only 15.6. Walk rate's a little higher than usual. He's doing – things well like obviously 373 is nuts but he's always had a pretty decent batting average what's wild is in 2022 he had six homers 2021 he had seven homers he already has five this year and what i really want to point out and i know you probably would have pointed out if i didn't say it he has those home runs on he has five home runs on two total barrels do your math on that one real quick so he has a 4.1 percent barrel rate and he has a 40 percent hard hit rate so he's obviously overachieving in the power department batting average is still like I, he could still be like a 320 guy as, as as far ahead as he's got, at least 300. 
So what's your thoughts on Harold Ramirez? Because the power is ridiculous. It's one of those like ride it while you can. They have great matchups this week. Um, but don't expect he might set a career high and with like 14 homers, or or I know he's only got two barrels. Is this a new Tampa Bay thing? I, I don't know what to do with Ramirez. I, I mentioned you mentioned the power being kind of lucky, and we could talk about another guy who's not on this uh list. I don't know if he's on the most added. I like to randomly pull that up at the end of the show. I actually never pulled that up before the end of the show. And it's T- Tyler Wall- Taylor Walls that we talked about a little bit in our own personal group chat we have. But Ramirez is doing a lot of what he usually does. He swings at a lot of stuff. Like he's he's pretty aggressive with the swing rate. He's willing to chase. He's making a ton of contact, which he's always made good contact. Right now, he's making a more than contact than ever, while simultaneously having a fourteen point one percent swing strike rate with league average being eleven percent even right now. So he's being overly aggressive while not. He's running hot, and you mentioned the like the the power production. I'm like it makes no sense. So I was like, let me look into a little more. I I looked at his uh, pull fly ball and pulled ground ball rates for his career and for this year. Another thing that just hasn't changed. He's still pulling. Like 70% of the balls on the ground. He's still elevating like 14, I think it was 14% fly, pulled fly ball rate last year and over his career, or sorry, this year and over his career. So, all things considered, I think the power is fluky, but we also saw Ramirez do the production in terms of just overall just being solid, sustainable, a good CI type uh, guy that you could fill in kind of safely. That That's who he is right now. I think a lot of it could just be matchup based where, you know, he's played a lot of pretty easy pitching staffs. White Sox, Kopech's giving up home runs to anybody, including the Bat Boy. You have Cincinnati there, Toronto. If, you, if they, it depends on who they faced. I don't know if they faced uh, Gossman or I think they faced the back end with like Bassett types. Boston, Oakland, Nationals. You see the point here. I get, I get, the point is, is he's part of like part of this team that's taking advantage of a really bad or good schedule for themselves. Not saying that what we're seeing for guys like Yandi and stuff. I believe that way more, but. Trying to find trying to, the fact that we're both looking and can't find an actual reason to, to believe that sustain the growth. I should say he'll sustain this growth in power. Harold Ramirez is still just a guy, and I think he's going to be more valuable for you in deeper formats. But right now, you ride him out where he's at because he is playing every day pretty much right now. The Rays like to play guys when they are running hot. They won't sit him and platoon him like I believe he started out platooning this year again. And then they kind of like realize, oh, he's running hot, so they're going to get him in every day. So Ramirez is a guy that, as long as he's playing, you're starting him. They have seven righties. He's normally better against lefties. So uh, at the end of the day, I do think he's going to play most of this week. This, but it's still one of those things where if it falls off, he's not a must start. But he is a guy that, while running hot, you get him in there. He even has a triple this year. What the hell? Sorry, yeah, no, I'm telling you, his his profile, <laughs> his profile is insane. Like looking at it, that's why I dug into him this week for the waiver wire stuff. And I'm like, I started texting you guys. I'm like, what is going Going on here with Harold Ramirez. He's a good player. He's a good real life he's a, hitter. He's, he's a, a good, especially real life. He's a contact hitter that's freaking good like, hitter. Yeah. But the power is not real. Like there's nothing no. here that tells me, oh, this power spike is legitimate. No, yeah. it's a it's like, did the wind blow out the right way? These like three of those games or something? Like, I don't know. And like you mentioned, the fact he's not even barreling his home runs. Yeah. You know how hard it is to hit a home run without barreling it. I feel like that's yeah. super uncommon. I bet you there's like a I bet you if we look up like the the rates of that, there'd be like the leader would probably be super low in terms of like how many home runs per non barrels. Yeah. Like, when we, very... like one of Toby's favorite stats was like, you know, barrels or home runs per barrel or whatever it is. It is like 58% give or take on a year, sometimes higher, sometimes lower. He's got the reverse. Like he's like just insane yeah. achievements. <laughs> He so. has uh, wait, the, so he has two barrels, five home runs. He's like two hundred fifty percent. Yeah, like, that's, that's my point. Like, he's like so overachieving his game. Like it's the joke of like the, you know, the four foot six guy walking down the street with a supermodel. Like you're, you're out kicking your coverage. That, that's that's yeah. what Harold Ramirez's power is right now. But 
enjoy it you know write it oh, out yeah. again at the end of the day he's gonna Harold Ramirez will give you good batting average team. he won't yes he'll give you good batting average probably decent RBIs because he you know he tends to hit towards the middle of the lineup so he's he's useful but don't expect the power to stick as long as these underlying metrics are there 100% you see the caveat because that way yes. I can't be wrong you know <laughs> exactly. as long as these things yeah, yeah you've done this before um Eduardo Rodriguez. Now this is fun because the one year I kind of backed off a bit on my guy because I was I didn't see a lot of things that were enticing to me. I should have been like, you know what? We give everybody grain of salts on things off the field, and he had a lot of things going on off the field last year. Some we don't even know about. He was just gone. Um, Erod has looked pretty good this year, especially as the games have improved. His last three starts, he's gone at least six innings, one total earned run. Last week at a two step against Cleveland and at Baltimore, fifteen shutout innings. Uh, 16 Ks, and the most important factor, zero walks on the entire week. Uh, he has five walks on the season, 25 strikeouts and 31 innings. That gives you a nice 17.4% K rock. It's still below average, but for, for Erod and the whip game he lives in, that's pretty pretty impressive stuff. He was available in one of my 12s this week. Um, I don't think I got him, though. But, um, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I just don't know how sustainable it is. I know Lance Brostowski mentioned he's throwing his cutter more effectively and if you look at like his rolling graphs on savant most like every other game it's either sinker or cutters his second primary pitch um what what are you seeing if you look under the hood with eduardo rodriguez so erod i'm still not buying it uh i do i did notice that last week if you look over the last seven days very small sample so it's pretty noisy but the two of the bottom five sorry bottom six teams in the league in terms of scoring runs are Cleveland and Baltimore. So I'm wondering, did he just catch the offenses at the right time type of thing? Is he part of, or or is he part of why they weren't scoring? It's hard to say, but when these guys are facing Detroit and the fact that they're both bottom six in scoring, and I say six because obviously Cleveland just missed being in the bottom five, but it's uh, when they're both in the bottom six of scoring for the week and they faced Detroit, that's just, how, that tells me that they're just running cold. And at least on the surface, there's obviously more to it, whatever, but so Erod, I think partly is just right place, right time, catching those guys. And then, of course, in Baltimore is a good pitcher's park. But he still produced. And when I looked under the hood a little bit, I noticed the last two starts, I mentioned the better than maybe expected matchups there. But the velocity is up overall on the year for on a couple of pitches, if memory serves. He's getting more extension. And for those who don't know what extension is, basically 6.5 uh, is about average so anything above that or below that like if you're below that pitcher your pitchers look slower if you're above that your pitches look faster so getting more extension on pitches is a good thing however it puts them closer to the average so maybe now the fa- that fastball isn't looking at, it's looking a little faster or at least what it's supposed to look like compared to before if it was a little lower than 6.5 then um you would look at the fact that it would be look hitters could e- see it easier that's the best way to simplest way to break it down but however he has a 30th percentile whiff rate so the strikeouts from last start seem fluky a 220 Babbitt for Erod also suggests that there's going to be some, you know, regression there. And the ER indicator is pretty much all a run, maybe like 1 to 1.5 runs higher. I think the Sierra might be one of his better ones, and it was still a lot higher, a decent amount higher than the actual ERA. Again, I'm, I, these are my notes, and I always forget to not write, I always forget to write down specifics. So, but you're getting the point of it here. Regardless, even if he's a low to mid three ZRA guy, it's still great. It's just one of those things where I don't buy the strikeouts for Erod. I know there's going to be regression coming. One of the things going really good for him, though, you mentioned maybe he's getting maybe that pitch mix is helping him sustain some of this, uh, some of this help, uh, start, start start helping him overproduce in terms of the peripherals because he's limiting hard hit balls and barrels, and that's something that you know you want to see as a pitcher. So if you're seeing a pitcher 
get less hard hits, less barrels. That's going to lead to more to more you know weaker contact and less potential for damage. So that type of skill set, if that's something that he can sustain, Erod can outproduce some of these peripherals. However, I have a hard time just buying in just because of I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a little biased towards what we saw last year. I'm afraid that maybe that will just come rearing its ugly head. The swing and miss is not really there, but he doesn't again. He does induce an above average chase rate, so it's weird. Like the swing and strike rate was like average or below average. Meanwhile, he's still inducing chases. So all things considered, though, uh, I, I kind of confuse myself with the boss part because I don't understand how you can how, how you can do one thing so well in terms That's of inducing chases. Absolutely, part man. How can you induce chases, but then the swing and strike rate is so low? Like you're you're fooling people enough to chase the ball, but you're not fooling them enough in the zone. But maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's getting people to chase. Maybe Erod's getting people to chase while allowing for that softer contact when he does throw it in the zone. Because it goes back to if he's allowing soft contact, then maybe he's pitching the contact but knows when he can get people chasing. He has maybe maybe he's more likely to throw off-speed pitches, you know, two strikes and get to them chasing. Or he's able to attack the shadow zone. These are all things that that's just at the next level of depth to go into. But, uh, yeah, that's just uh, – overall, I guess I, I it's good. He's, he's in that, like, okay, I'll stream him in the right matchup. I'll put him out for two starts. I don't, he's not a guy that you're plugging in, setting and forgetting. Just, just not yet. He's not there for me yet. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like he was, like I said, available in a 12. I was, I was interested in him. Um, the fact that people were dropping him before a two step week says a lot. Uh, he's got Baltimore this week, the Mets next week. So Erod is, is interesting. He was once a top ace of a staff in Boston. Yeah. So, like, we can't ignore that. Like, he was there. It's just the whip issues he continually would have. He'd at least have the strikeouts to get him out of the problem. Where in like the last year or so, he didn't have the strikeouts and he just got shelled. So it's kind of a yin and a yang to see where he goes with this. The K to walk percentage still concerns me because that means he's not striking out enough, as you said. So he is giving up contact, just limiting it, as you said also. So it's just I look at his his, his profile and it's uh it's interesting. Like I want to believe he's figuring it out and he's gonna be back. And you know, colder weather in Detroit too. Maybe the you'll start seeing more, you know, nastiness from him. I don't know. But um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one for sure. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. Explain this one to me. Like I'm two, please. Uh, Vince Velasquez, who has a, yeah, I'm not going to say it. He's thrown three really good starts in a row. And one of them was in Coors. One was at the Cardinals. One was home against Cincinnati. He's got at least six innings. He has at least six Ks. Still walking guys at a pretty nice clip. That's what he does. But somehow he has a 3.76 ERA, 4.75 X FIP. If you look at uh, Savant, a 3.52 X ERA, though, somehow. So that's confusing to me. What are you seeing with Vinny V? Because he's not fooling that many people, but he is fooling people. I just, I'm confused. So first things first, you mentioned the ERA indicators. See, Savant, you said Savant showed that. I'm looking at an XERA on Fangraphs that shows 452. So I don't know. What's I'm, going I legit on. have Savant page open and it's 376 ERA, 352 XERA. I'm looking at the Fangraphs page that shows XERA is 452. I, I think there's an issue with the coding because I've, I've noticed this with yeah. a few pictures that. Uh, fan graphs will have different metrics than Savant has for a few things. And the fact that like, for instance, you'll see like sometimes the velocity, not that I, I actually, I use, I prefer to use Savant for velocity and for pitch mix stuff, but like fan graphs will show like uh, the fastball being different velocities than what Savant shows. And I'm like, why is that information different? I don't understand. But regardless, even ignoring XERA, if we just look at FIP and XFIP, I wonder if Savant's going to look the same, but you know, either way it's showing he's probably about a run better than he's been. Otherwise, a little maybe a little less. You four point five eight Sierra, four point seven five XFIP. But regardless, he's producing. And Vince Velasquez, you know, he's limiting home runs. Uh, one of the lowest home run fly ball rates of his career right now. Will that change? I don't know. It's a good ballpark. It's easy to kind of suppress home runs in that ballpark. A two fifty four BABIP is low for him, but it goes back to: is it because is it low for him, or is this just kind of the fallout of what he's producing? I still think it's hard to suddenly bank on him being a good Babbitt pitcher after all the years of not being one, but we'll see. And some of the main takeaways I've noticed when I looked into Velasquez was he is throwing the change up more while pretty much completely dropping the curveball usage. So he made that switch in his pitch mix. He's getting more whiffs on all of his pitches as well this year. So that's this pitch mix is inducing more swing and miss, which is again, positive changes, but offenses will adapt to this, of course, as they get this information. He's inducing more weak contact and pop-ups, which was nice. So it's like he is keeping hitters off, you know, off level or whatever you want to call it. He's keeping them guessing, I guess. If you're inducing more weak contact and making hitters get under the ball to pop them up, because that, that's a good thing. Like, that's obviously where you want them. And then different movement on his pitches. So the four-seamer the four seamer has more rise, less run on it, essentially, because it's getting more vertical movement, less horizontal movement. So horizontal would suggest it's running. Obviously, vertical means it's rising, right? If you know vertical versus horizontal. It's, it's like, I don't really have to explain that, but I like to make sure people understand. I like to make sure I, people really understand the basics. Cause if you hear, if I say B move and H move, people are like, what the hell is that? Even I would think that up until about a year or two ago, when I started learning this stuff. And then the, uh, the, what was it? The slider the slider has a completely different movement tr- uh, profile as well. Having three and a half inches more of vertical movement while also getting more horizontal movement. So it sounds like it's just getting overall more movement as a whole, which is, a, which again, goes back to, Different pitch profiles, getting different movements could cause different uh, ways for pitchers to see these balls tunneling differently and causing the whiffs to go up, which explains why maybe Velasquez has found success early on. However, it is hard to bank on 
hit this guy after all these all these years of such subpar performance he's still walking more than you want you know double digit walk rate 10.6 percent all things considered he's kind of well if nothing else he's entered that streamer category vince Vince velasquez he's he's overperforming but at least there's some reasons why at least early on i think like if you have him in dcs he's definitely someone you could start in a pinch two start weeks uh 15 teamers he's entering that again that two start week streamer type slash Maybe if he's facing Detroit, you'll plug him in. Even though you know these days with the let's not pick Detroit, let's pick a an L team. I don't know if, you, if he's going over to the Giants or something. Sorry, but, well, but <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> or the Marlins. Here we'll pick the, Mar- the Marlins. Are terrible too. But yeah, you get my point. Like he's a guy that one start you can get away with starting him maybe, but he's more of that two step guy. And just just I found some you know you find these things interesting, but pitchers tinker all year long. It's just what's happening right now is causing success or his reasons for success. I'm just wondering how long can Blasquez get by on this before teams pick up on it and start crushing him again? That's all. I'm like, I don't believe. That's the million dollar question. That's why he, that's why he is strictly, strictly a uh, streamer for me. And I refuse to touch him in a 12 teamer. Yeah. I'm still not buying it. Like if he's the reason I lose a league, well, kudos to you. I will lose every league because of Vince Velasquez not being on my team. I'm not buying this. I'm waiting for the regression monster to come in a big way. I'm waiting for Curlin to tweet out his uh, little monster num 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 because it's, it's going to so happen. Funny. It's going to be amazing. And it'll be when you least expect it to. Like you said, it'll be the Giants or it'll be some team where like, oh, it's the greatest matchup ever. And then boom goes the dynamite. So just be ready for it. It's going to happen. Uh, a couple more guys that you mentioned here. Uh, we, we bashed Alec Manoa last week. Got him pretty good. And rightfully so. He was bad. Looked bad. A lot of bad things. Well, he went into the Bronx this weekend, like most people go into the Bronx and do, and took care of business. Because outside of you know the occasional Aaron Judge home run, every once in a while they run into something. Their offense is not great. There's a lot of strikeouts, lots of concerns with the New York Yankees. So he went seven innings, no earned, one walk, five Ks. Like for me, if I knew Manoa's going seven, I want at least a K per nine. So that still concerns me with him. He's just not the dominating guy that people wanted. He's an innings eater that or he has to have the innings to get the numbers. That was always my gripe in draft season with Manoa. And one start's not changing that for me. But what did you see in the start with Alec Manoa that maybe gives you some optimism, if any at all? So Manoa, we talked about this a little bit off air just because the Yankees not being the Yankees of old. You know, people think they see the Yankees, they think, well, here comes all the home runs and they're just not those guys anymore. They have their games, but half the time the guys that hit home runs are on the IL, like Stanton. But you have the velo ticked up, which was great, about half a tick on both fastballs, the, the fastball and the sinker. And I believe there's a little bit more movement on them as well, so maybe throwing them harder, getting better spin rates, thus equaling more movement on them. The slider had a 50% whiff rate in the start, so again, good production here. Got good results for Manoa. However, I still looked at that the plot, and I, I just I'm like, he still just hits so much in the zone, at least – according to this pitch plot i was looking at just looking at the uh, actual like little dots those little pictures they give us and i'm just i don't know like i feel like he got away with a lot just looking i I could show i could probably share it for those watching but it's just it's hard to explain but if you go look at his pitch plot from that game you'll see he lived in the zone the sinker was middle middle a lot there was a lot of sliders over the middle as well i just don't know why like here i'm gonna show it to you i'm gonna i know this is doesn't make for great podcasting but if you're cool with it i will share it if i could yeah apparently and, I and if, for those just listening on the podcast curlin tweeted this out earlier on monday also yeah. so you can check that out 
Um, yeah. So, you and you can see like, he just look all this. Like, if, again, if you're watching, yeah. you can see all the sinkers right here in the middle, the sliders sitting here in the zone a lot. Four seamers. He did do well. I, I like where he put the four seamers pretty much around the top of the sides of the zone. So that's great. Like he's, he didn't miss his spots. There's some sinkers up there too. Like he was hitting some better spots for sure. But I feel like he got away with a lot of right here. You know, a lot of the sinkers and yeah. sliders kind of hanging right in the middle the zone and no real damage. So I want to see if that sustains if we could that's good enough there and now you just look at my twitter page but uh it's uh it was one of those things that caught my attention i was like that is like okay <laughs> like i did he get lucky was it just one of those things where he was hitting his spots so well that when he did mess up he got away with it because you could see he did manoa did live around that you know, the edges pretty well all things considered but i still don't like how i feel like maybe like if one of those sliders he hangs and someone you know one hang them bang them type of deal we're talking, it's a whole different outlook at this, you know, at this point, but uh, still encouraging though. The walks weren't an issue last start. You know, the CSW was above 30, which, you know, that's kind of the, it's just, yeah, it's what we look yeah, for. Yeah. So Manoa took a step forward, no doubt about it. And I, and this is someone who's not, I'm obviously anti-Manoa. I've been pretty open about that, but I did see reasons to be encouraged. Just, I need to see more, I guess what I'm getting at the end of the day. Cause uh, at the end of the day, I don't see that slider and sinkers in the middle, get, get him getting away with all those mistakes that often. And he has some nice matchups coming up. He has Seattle this week. Next week he has at Boston. So, like, you know, offenses that can be good but also very susceptible to a good pitcher taking care of business. So, well, I think it'll be a good test to see how he does in those outings to see if we can really believe in this kind of bounce-back situation. I want to talk bounce-back situation, and I am believing in this for now, is Cody Bellinger hitting 300 with five home runs, four stolen bases. Would I love to see a 14% strikeout rate? Like, that is amazing for Cody Bellinger, especially the way he's been in recent years. You know, the barrel rate and the hard hit rate, not as desirable as I would hope for, for a guy putting up those kind of numbers. But all in all, you know, more fly balls, less ground balls. The approach appears to be a bit different. What are you seeing with Cody Bellinger that, like, I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Do I think he's this guy? Probably not. Do I think he's as bad as he's been? No. I think he's somewhere in the middle. That's where I'm at, which makes for a pretty good fantasy player in the long run, especially in the power and speed department. So, I like what we're getting with Cody Bellinger, especially not wearing Dodgers uniforms. So how are you uh, assessing this early start from Cody Bellinger? So Bellinger is making some intriguing changes to not only his attack, but it looks like you know he's hitting less ground balls than ever while managing to not have that big looping swing on every pitch. Like if you notice, he's not getting – and a lot of it is the success in the top of the zone for Bellinger. And we'll get to that in a moment. But looking at his profile, the bad is only 302, which doesn't sound like it's that high, but it's the highest it's been since his – MVP year in 2019 <laughs> like that's like he hasn't had a bad bit around there since 2019 and the shift was a huge issue for him you know so we know that the shift is gone he's hitting for good better batting average the bad bit might be a more sustainable number the strikeouts I think he's going to regress a little bit there but you're seeing that he's not you know he's he's striking out 14.1 percent of the time even at his best he was still a 16 percent strikeout guy but the um the fly balls are still there he's hitting the ball not you mentioned not as hard barrel rate is in line with last year etc i don't know if the power is going to be what it once was but i do think overall what we're seeing there's some legitimacy too and a lot of it goes back to the fact that Bellinger's making more contact while cutting down on the swing and miss and cutting down on the chases it looks like he it just looks like he's comfortable at the plate for the first time in a long time the contact rate by far the highest not only in a while but of his career 82.4 percent the z contact is the highest since those 2019 2020 seasons when you know he still showed that promising the, the again the mvp slash coming off of it a little bit of a down year but still that's when he was at his best it's at 83.5 percent 
and doing this while chasing the least since the 2020 area. So again, it's he's not pressing. And I like what Bellinger's showing in terms of that approach, but we'll get to the numbers I wanted to talk about was across the top of the zone. So if you go to Savant, you go to search function, you look up game, game day zones, you can pick one, two, and three, which is pretty much the top of the zone. And if you look at last year's numbers, a 39.2% K rate across the top of the zone for Bellinger, a a, a, BA, a batting average of 102 with an XBA of 131, a slugging of 245 with an X slug within that range, and a WOBA, XWOBA, 10 points apart, both 150, 160 range, whatever. This year, same zones and small sample, of course, but the strikeout rate's only 18.2% for Bellinger. Again, compared to 39.2%, we're talking about 10% strikeout percentage decrease across the top of the zone. So pitchers aren't able to attack that part of the zone and get him to strike out. But he is overperforming against the top of the zone. The again, the BA and the slug, the slug being oh, I didn't get the X slug. I, I forgot to pull the X slug on this one. My apologies. But uh, the batting average is about 200 points above the expected. But however, it's still the expected is still 372. So he's batting 545 on those pitches right now. Again, Bellinger overperforming on him. But the Woba X Woba, we're talking about a Woba 487 in those uh, in the pitches up in the zone compared to 351. So again, overperforming. But even if you even if he goes if, even if that corrects where it should be according to the expected stats it's still way way better and that's kind of the big deal here with cody bellinger is that those high fastballs the high pitches in general aren't getting the better of him early on i've seen him take those up and in pitches yesterday it was like he hit one to like left center instead of just having to pull it or completely swing under it and stuff like that it's almost like jared kelnick you're seeing these guys not getting exploited on these pitches that we've seen them get exploited on for a couple years now and they're adapting so i do think that bellinger as long as he sustains this approach I don't expect him to be this good up in the zone, but if he's able to sustain this approach and limit damage top of the zone, I think Bellinger's in for that bounce back year that we know or we've been waiting on for a few years. I'm just surprised it's happening with the Cubs, not with the Dodgers. Maybe yeah. it's the whole one-year prove-it deal. Maybe it's the whole he left L.A., so the pressure really isn't on him like it was back in L.A. That's a lot of it. He had just had to get away from it all. I think there's so much noise in L.A., all the issues. Um, I, I was shocked because he was still messing with his swing this year. Like it was still something going on, and every and in year, spring he was missing up yeah. in the zone too. I remember I tweeted out something, and people were laughing, and it actually like it actually got attention. It was like, hey, look, Bellinger's in, in midseason form, and it was a, it was a strikeout on a fastball up in the zone. So yeah. it was one of those things. Like, where did how did it just click for him when the season started? That's the part that's kind of weird. But he's doing it when it matters. Obviously, it's probably something he was working on all spring. Maybe he wasn't working on them. Maybe he's using, you know, hitters have A swings, B swings. Maybe he's utilizing that B swing more, knowing that hit pitchers are attacking him up and just taking what's given to him instead of trying to force the issue. And that could be it. He's cutting down on things and just making a point to be better where he knows pitchers are going to attack him. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised he's doing it, and I'm kind of in on what he's doing it's uh it's a pretty I'm upset i'm upset i only have early, like my only shares were like on two or three early dcs that are already dead in the water because of injuries yeah i think <laughs> i have maybe one share of cody bellinger's because he fell in a draft but yeah those, there's always gonna be regrets so that's this could be one of them is the way it's starting to feel uh last guy we'll talk about before we talk about some fab pickups of the week is clark schmidt he's a guy i dropped in a, a couple weeks ago like i've been off the train um, he, he was really good against Toronto, five and two thirds, three hits, no earned, three runs up on two home runs, eight Ks. There was a whole different Clark Schmidt on the mound, much many more ground balls. The strikeouts were there. Um, just looking at the 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 savant recap from that day. If this is sustainable, this is more the Clark Schmidt we wanted to see. The question is, is it sustainable? What do you have on this Clark Schmidt thing? And are you buying into a potential resurgence here? 
Yes and no, because I don't know. I, I, I and on top of that, Schmitz like he had. I would think it was like what five strong outings before he gave up the 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 three unearned runs in the in the sixth or something like that. But what the reason why there's reasons for optimism, the reasons why if you did drop him, I'd try to go out and get him again, <laughs> is uh only because of the fact that he did he has adjusted these last two starts. Schmidt came into the year really utilizing heavily that new cutter he de- he developed in the, in the offseason. That was kind of the whole hype. Oh look, his new cutter, Yankees and cutters, cutters and Yankees. There's you know that's kind of what that was the whole hype was there. And then you turn around and he wasn't getting the work done, the, the job done with the cutter. Two straight starts now, we've seen a bigger emphasis for Schmidt on the sweeper sinker. So you're seeing a kind of an, a trend, a slight trend up, especially the last start, but a slight trend up overall in production for Schmidt while he's utilizing a different mix. Like he's dropping the cutter usage. He still utilized, I think, the third most of any pitch last start. But seeing that the cutter and the curve as well, both those pitchers are kind of getting a backseat to the sweeper sinker combo. And we saw positive production follow. It's similar to what I was talking about Turnbull last week, or I think it was last week, where you saw Turnbull find production or find success with a change in attack and a change in like what he, in his usual like ways of things. And when you see that type of tangible change happening with a positive set of outcome, of outcomes, I guess, would be uh, it's plural the way I, I worded it. Gosh, I really need to stay on. I'm always jumping around. I apologize. But anyway, if you see when you, when you see a change happen and production follow, that is like a positive production, then it catches my attention. I think it's worth at least paying attention to. And if nothing else, holding, stashing on your bench if you have room for them. It's just one of those things where no one saw this coming. He just suddenly dropped the pitch that he was so fond of, that everybody was so fond of, and went towards it, not drop it, but like completely, you know, just drop the usage of it in comparison to the first couple starts. And with it, this is the success has been following him, especially this last outing. So we're it's almost like a wait and see mode with Schmidt. You're starting him in an absolute pinch, obviously, but I would, I mean, Secure lineups, a secure rotation spot for the time being. Positive changes leading to positive production. I like what we saw. I just want to see if he continues the that utilization of pitch mix and continues getting that positive outcome with it. But there are at least we finally have reasons for optimism after a really rough start for Schmidt to start the year. Yeah, I'm curious to see where this keeps going, especially with Rodon setbacks. It kind of gives him a longer leash, per se, to, to hang around. It looked like for a second there, if Rodon was coming back, Schmidt was quickly out of here. Yeah, uh, But that has changed a little bit. Johnny Brito wasn't as dominant his most recent outings. He's got an interesting two-step this week. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, Schmidt, nice start against Toronto. That's not an easy offense, as, as was stated, to Hackman. But uh, – he gets at Texas, who's a sneaky offense as well. If he starts missing spots there, they'll play home run derby with him. So uh, we'll, we'll see if there's some sweet, some exact sweeping changes to Clark Schmidt's profile. All right, let's talk some fab here from the week four action. We always recap the Roadwire Online Championship 12-team leagues to give us an idea kind of on the uh, middle scale of what's going on. I'll go over – we'll go over the, the most added players, and then we'll kind of s- – s- Mention some other guys here and there. The first one added in 205 leagues. That'd be all of the leagues, folks. As high as 313. This is what I love. Someone got him for a dollar. Someone got Mason Miller for one dollar. And that is absolutely uh impressive to see. Let me I could actually scroll and find out. I just uh in um wins 2023 got him, dropped Hayden Wesneski one dollar backup of zero dollars. That is absolutely insanity when it comes to this but um yeah mason miller i don't think we have a ton to say here it's kind of been i think overblown and talked about enough 
you and I both weren't on him. I'm concerned about innings and overall workload, lack of wins, you name it. He'll get you tons of strikeouts and should get you decent ratios. I don't knock that. But it wasn't a guy I was paying over 300 bucks for either. Apparently, I could have paid a dollar. I don't know. Not in my <laughs> league. He, did, he went for that in my league, I promise. Do you have any quick thoughts on Mason Miller before we talk about guys of relevance here? No, you mentioned it. Like, is what it is. We all either you bought for the strikeouts and ratio potential, or you didn't because you realized the red flags were there in terms of uh, how long he'll last into the year. But, you know, the, the, it's just, I, I am intrigued because it really is a do you ride it out type of thing? Like, do you just want, like, just get what you can get from him, knowing it's going to be limited, but knowing it could be elite and he can still help you stabilize in certain spots or pass on him, hoping to get another high you know, using that money for a different player that could be a little higher ceiling, but maybe doesn't have quite the, what, what we expect. And on top of that, there's just no real track record. So I'm, before I even get into the whole, we've all been there. Again, you mentioned it. I'm just getting really worked up because it's frustrating because it's really hard to get a read on what we should expect from him just because of the lack of track record. He look, He's gifable, but so was so so is Dustin May. Not saying that it's a comp by any means, but how many times have we seen that, sink, that sinker of May or two seam, whatever you want to call it, that we've seen it on so many gifts. And Mason Miller has that type of electric stuff but how do we know it's going to translate fully without any other than that my very small track record in the minors? So that's where it's like, I'm torn on it. I get it. I just, I was with you. I couldn't get in on it. I wasn't supposed to harp on it this long, but I can't help it because I feel like I'm going to look wrong here, even though I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, it just is what it is. Like, right. Like, I don't know. Anyway, we can move on. Don't mind me. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to kind of <laughs> keep a close eye on that one. Let's put it that way. Uh, this is a fun one. The second most added player at 133 leagues, as high as 207, as low as a dollar was Brian Abreu. And I know this was a conversation in our chat, our GTE chat, and then obviously the Discord, and Jorge covered it in his Monday bullpen report, which he does pretty much every day. He'll have a little hiatus here because for very good reasons. I'll let him discuss that if he wants, but he'll be busy coming up. But Jose Abreu picked up the save Saturday and Sunday. And uh, Presley had pitched in three or four games, so Saturday made sense. Okay, day off. Um, Dusty said after the game on Sunday that Abreu was not available again. I mean, um, uh, Presley was not available again. So Brady got two saves. A couple things. Presley has like one save on the entire season. So if I'm a Presley manager, I am furious right now. And second, it seems like there's a little smoke. And that means there might be fire here. Because two days is a little much for me. Then again, Presley's got a ton of injury history. So who knows? But uh, what's your thoughts on this? Because Abreu got added in a lot of places. I think he's a good spec. Wouldn't have paid over 100 bucks for him. But he's definitely a good spec. I think you have to remember people are desperate right now for saves. You have guys like, I mean, obviously Estevez, for instance, he did just get a save, looked a lot better. I think he threw his change up more than usual in the start. It did, it did work for him, but, or sorry, in this relief appearance. So people are desperate for saves though. You have, like I mentioned, Estevez, uh, guys that might've drafted uh, Iglesias thinking he'd be back by now because it was supposed to be a short-term injury and they didn't get Minter. And now they're just like, oh crap. Uh, you have guys that have failed. Like Kimbrell hasn't been doing it because Alvarado took over. You're seeing a lot, of, and then the A's guys didn't work out. You're seeing a lot of these back end guys that people thought they could wait on, not necessarily pan out. So people are just being overly aggressive. Plus, if Abreu is even going to get another eight saves the rest of the way, it's kind of it's almost worth it just because it's one. It's if not, you're getting elite ratios and strikeouts more than likely in the process. Because again, for the team context, but you know very well. I don't know if Houston plays today, but if they do, Abreu is likely not available. So you'll see Presley play. You'll hear if they get a safe situation, Presley's going to get it. I do think Presley's still the one A. I just, I think George was it uh, was it George in our chat was telling us like yeah he pitched like three out of the last four before that and they were just giving him yeah. a, long, a, a, a a longer look a longer breather which we've seen how they they handle him with kick gloves but we also have seen him uh, him as in uh, Presley 
have issues with health in the past. So I do think this is almost like we saw this. Where's the other closer here? He's probably he's not even on here, right? Or am I just missing him? The 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 Dodgers closer, uh, Gratterall. People kind of got excited about Gratterall. Oh, he is on here. He's down there a little yeah, bit. He's down there. So, he's, been added, he's already added in a bunch of leagues. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't quite have the same max, but you still see him going over 100 bucks because people are just chasing the what if potential on these great teams. And the next guy on this list fits that they, because yeah, they, they, there's but, a few of them coming up for sure. But there, but there is a difference. At least the one with the, at least the next one we've seen the person that hold on the roll. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's one of those things where the guy that is ahead of him for most of the save ops has been getting the high leverage spots, leaving the save opportunities for him. So that I still think a Brayu solid spec. I just I, people are I've no I don't know if it's just this year, but I feel like people are really aggressive on Fab this year compared to usual. Because uh, yeah. I have like these these spec guys usually aren't going this expensive this early, and I don't I wonder if it's because saves are needed more now than ever, especially with the injuries and all that piled up. I, I guess the need, I guess the need for saves and people seeing guys like Jose Alvarado crush it and they're like I need the next guy that does that type thing. Yeah, I uh, and I, I get it, and you should have joined us for that a couple weeks ago. But um, before we get to the next player you mentioned, I know you'll 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 have a feeling on this. Brian Bayo just got option to AAA. Oh yay yay! Oh, yeah. I wish you dropped him now. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought I, I didn't think he I, I didn't think he'd be Bayo. optioned. I didn't think he'd be Neither optioned this quick, but especially when they're talking six man rotation on Sunday. That that went quick, um. So yeah, he got for, for Paxton. They, 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 I'm guessing Paxton's coming back. They up haven't or... activated it, Matt. That's probably who it'll be eventually. But all the only move I've seen is Bayo is gone. I'll look into that some more when we talk about this next guy. I but, mean, um, don't be wrong. I I knew. Uh, no, now we're gonna talk about this because now we have. To, it's a. I, I was so here's my issue. He was supposed to be one of my. I might take a zero this week because of him because I kind of gambled between him and Darvish should be back for his next start, but it's a Darvish five game week. Be back, yes. But it's a five game week for a six man rotation. And they, they, um, the Red Sox <laughs> called up left-handed pitcher Brennan Bernardino. So probably a reliever, I'm guessing? A reliever, yes, a reliever. So that means they can bring Paxton up when he's ready later in the week, potentially, yes. Yep, so there goes – I don't mind dropping Bayo in, in an NFBC format. Honestly, he was kind of – like I know he was underwhelming. The first start looked promising with the strikeouts, and the second start he was – he was hitting his own more, but not getting the whiffs. And then I think they're just going to let him get right in the minors. I'm, a, I'm fine with that. He's, but the problem is, is if you drop him and he gets called up in like two or three weeks with the next injury, then it's going to be another big fab day for him. Yep. He's super talented. We saw this last year when he disappointed earlier and he came back and pitched really, really well. Uh, who knows if that'll happen, but I think he's, he's obviously much better than he's been so far. So. And that's why I'm like, how do I? How do you approach this come Sunday? I, yeah, I don't know because I, I, I'm a Bayo manager, so I have a uh, – yep. I have a, uh, yeah, a, a decision stake, to make. To this one. You and well, me both. Pro- I have shares well, too. The, the, the my issue is is I have him in a league where Loriano should be back by late this week, early next week, I believe. But then I have Woodruff on that league, and is Bayo really worth holding over Woodruff? I can't stash three people. I just can't. So someone something's got to give. And in that type of roster crunch, I think Bayo might be dropping. With this, the problem is is the pitcher landscape. If I want to go over, if I want to go after Logan Allen, Bayo becomes that most droppable piece for me, especially because I'm barely holding on to 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 roster spots right now i don't know it's it's a lot of thinking i'm sure i'll have to bother you in the chat five more times this week about it but i'm yeah. leaning drop right now in in deeper formats where i can't afford to stash i would stash if i could though for sure yeah i'm with you on that one uh the next reliever we kind of hinted at was adam Ottavino. added in 128 leagues as high as 138 as low as one i had bids in on Ottavino. like he's seems to be he's gotten three of the last four appearances he's picked up saves uh, he's leading the way there. You mentioned Robertson's more of the uh, high leverage guy. He's also struggled a little bit. So uh, I like what we're seeing from Montevino. 
It's not been perfect by any means. Two solo home runs he's allowed, but still getting the job done. He seems to be able to get the bulk in uh, in New York, which could lead to another 15-plus saves. I guess it's a really simple one, but good ad for me. Yeah, we and we talked about just the uh, the that the dynamic recently. We've seen the way the utilization with the other parts of this bullpen. So, yeah, yeah, I. He went, I think he got picked up in my league last week, actually. And he's just, but it was a pretty similar bid in terms of like in the close to the hundreds. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Uh, we won't talk about Harold Ramirez because we already <laughs> talked about him pretty in depth. He went 125 leagues as high as 82, as low as a dollar. Next one up, though, is a fun one. We've kind of chased this one. Could he be like, we keep talking about these guys that are finally panning out, like Jared Kalenics or, or Kelnick, sorry, Kelnick's and some of these other, like, um, you know, Nolan Gorman, Josh Lowe. Uh, can Jaron Duran be the next one? He was a big time prospect. Everyone wanted to see. He's picked up in 120 leagues as high as 143, as low as a dollar. Um, he got called up on the 17th. It's uh, four, seven games. He's safely in six of seven games, four doubles, no homers, but four runs, six RBIs, two stolen bases, still striking out a lot. That is my biggest concern 32.1% K rate. But the hit tool is uh, apparently there. We know he can play defense in center field. That's always kind of kept him around a little bit. But are you buying into it this time? A small sample, but we know the talent has always been there. He just hasn't been able to do it in the big league level yet. So you mentioned it. Every time he's come up to the major leagues, Duran has struck out, let's see, 35.7% in 2020 and 2021. 2022 came up, struck out 28.3%, and now early on 32.1%. However, the double-digit walk rate is encouraging, but a 563 BABIP obviously tells you it is complete luck in terms of like that batting average. He's not hitting as many. The ground ball rate is a nice. It's nice to see him only 31.3% ground balls. However, all his hits are going to center field. He actually launched a deep uh, deep double off the like the, the deepest part of Boston's field the other night. The other day I was watching that start the game for him. But uh, I like seeing that he's elevating the ball more. And I'm going to look more in terms of like, is he is there swing? So actually here's the thing about that strikeout rate i think it's a passivity thing which is good this encourages me i i didn't look at him before this because i forgot but we're looking at it now and the o swing is only 23.9 percent league average being 31.4 percent so way above average in the o swing which aka he's not chasing which is great you want to see that he's not chasing he's cutting down overall on the swing rate he's barely swinging and the called strike rate is 20 percent. that seems relatively high considering you won't see 20 percent called strike rates on a lot of players but it also can speak to the fact that Duran's just not being very aggressive. Swinging strike rate is also a career best to this point, 9.3%. Again, you mentioned like a seven-game sample. However, the Z contact is up to 89.3% so far. That's, you know, that 90% range is where, like, that's elite. So he's pushing that elite Z contact range, which is contact you make in the zone for those listening. And 89.3%. So what, what I'm seeing here is that it's not a swing and miss issue, which is what makes it so much more encouraging that I'm okay with Duran having – it's almost like what we saw with Kelnick. We saw Kelnick early in the year. It was like a 35% strikeout rate. But then when you went and looked into the strikeout rate, it was a obviously a, pass, a passivity thing. It wasn't a swing and miss thing. So I feel like as long as we're not getting that swing and miss, the strikeouts are the strikeouts aren't as telling compared to what they normally would be. Had we had we be getting like a chase rate that was absurd, like Oscar Colos. If you go look at Colos's profile, which is a random name, I just happened to look into him before the show started. Colos is the opposite. The strikeout rate is 23%. However, he has like a 45% chase rate and a 15% swinging strike rate. So he's like the complete opposite in terms of approach while getting less strikeouts. So I think the strikeouts for, and again, goes back to Duran, the strikeouts being more of a passivity thing, not a lack of seeing the ball well thing, which is what I like all things considered. Again, strikeout, you want some strikeout less, 
But at the end of the day, if the strikeouts are because of a good eye versus a bad approach, I'm willing to give it a little bit. I'm a little, a little more patient there. You know, I'll be more patient there with them. You know what I mean? But all things considered, for Duran, I do like what I'm seeing, and I do believe in the skill, the toolsy skill set. He is someone you should have if you need speed, absolutely. But the power, you know, the power is not a strength. He's not a zero. It's just not a strength of his. So yeah. no, just know what you're getting into. He's still hitting at the bottom of the lineup as well. So the counting stats will be lackluster. But a guy, no doubt, that I'm very intrigued by early on. And I think we can finally see him take that step. If And he sh- there's no reason why he shouldn't get the run. Duvall's out for a long time. Yep. This isn't a team. This is this is not a team that should be blocking him. I think he's still going to platoon. I, I think he sat the one game he sat, I believe, was against the lefty. So that's part of it. They they need but, to find out what this kid really has. Like I know they've given him chances, but just give him the rest of the run and see what see where it goes. Yeah, so. but I just I like I like seeing that the strikeout rate on the surface yep. people might see that strikeout rate and be like deterred. This is why you always need to look more. There's always con- you know you need to look more and get that context behind it and see if yep. it's deserved or something like a twenty percent call strike rate. I don't think we're gonna see a lot of players with that. You know what I mean? No. That seems like a but that could just speak to pitchers realize he's not swinging and they're just attacking the zone early. Maybe is what is part of it too. I don't know. There's again, there's always a, a layer deeper to go. Just not something you could do on a podcast for those parts. Yeah. Unless you're always no, compared, which I do not, because I am a slacker. No, that's just where you go to the Patreon for GT Fantasy, and eventually yeah. you'll get a savant recap or something from Mr. Curlin, and you'll get all the goodies right there. A uh, couple more we'll discuss here. Matt Strom was picked up in 118 leagues, as high as 173, as low as three dollars. So that was a bit surprising. Uh, Strong's been pretty good over his last couple starts. Uh, he got up to five and a third innings, 11 Ks against the Rockies. He's got six or more Ks in three straight starts, which I like to see. Uh, more importantly to me, what I'm looking at, he got up to 82 pitches against the Rockies, so he's almost fully stretched out for Matt Strom standards. You know, there's a lot of questions I could have with Strom. It's like, how many innings is he going to get this year because of, you know, he's getting stretched out for the first time. Uh, how sustainable is a lot of this? He's got some interesting matchups coming up. That's why I wasn't super like I liked him, but he's got like versus Seattle, then at the Dodgers. Like there's some what ifs with Matt Strom, but there's a lot to like too. So if you look at Matt Strom, he went for a pretty penny, of course. Was there any interest from you on that one? Yeah, I just think that there was more interest. I, we we've been talking about Strom for a couple weeks yeah. now. At least the group chat has because we noticed him the first start. Like, wait, what? And we knew that he wasn't stretched out. And then he had a really he had a really interesting two step. I think he was added, at least I know we kind of, I think you added him in a couple 12s even yeah, back then. I added him in a couple 12s, yep. And I know in 15s he was kind of scooped up because you have no time to wait and see in 15s. That part pisses me off a little bit. But <laughs> but I digress. It's one of those things where uh, Strom's very interesting. And it's one of those things where don't overthink it. Just, just start him. Just start him right now. He's on fire. A lot of the stuff is, uh, all, the, all the underlying metrics too kind of suggest that like the, the three ERA is kind of who he is right now. He's earning his production, so to speak. The strikeouts, although he's not getting a lot of ch- chases, the swing and strike rate is where he's getting all of his uh, swing and miss from. It's the it's like fifteen percent, and so so it's like his contact overall contact rate was like below. I think it was like sixty six percent. So Strom's a guy that's like not allowing a ton of contact, although not getting a lot of chases. He's getting a lot of swings and misses in the zone, and that, that'll work. I, I just I think we don't overthink this one because it could be short lived, and who cares? <laughs> ride it, ride it, man. It's almost like Gallo, just ride it because obviously Strom's never shown this as a starter or at least hasn't in years. I, th- I think there was a period where he was supposed to start, or he did start, and it was like he never kind of hit on that potential, and now suddenly at 31 years old, he's hitting on it. It's weird. He's finally getting there. <laughs> better late but than never, it, I guess. Just, just ride it out, man. Just ride it out. At the end of the day, ride it out. Pitch, you need pitching, and he's performing. Just go with it. Yep. 
I'm with you there. Uh, Mauricio Dubon, former Giants, finding his fun finally in Houston. Added 109 leagues as high as $88, as low as a buck. He's been leading off for the last handful of games with McCormick out. McCormick should be out for another few games. He hasn't even started taking live hitting yet, but they expect him back by the end of the week. He was eligible to come off the IL on Tuesday. That will not happen. But with Dubon, like literally shocked when I looked into his profile over the weekend, he's got a 17-game hitting streak right now. That's impressive. He scored 16 runs. Uh, he's hitting 329. He's struck out 5% of the time, 5% from Mauricio Dubon. Um, this is just not normal stuff. The swinging strike rate, 6.5%, a massive O swing still. So that makes you kind of look at it like, hmm, that's odd. 0% barrel rate, 31.5% hard hit rate. So if you want runs scored and a, a bit of a batting average, Dubon's your dude. Um, I think McCormick goes back to leading off. We'll see. And uh, the recent reports on Altuve is he's a little ahead of schedule, still be out probably for another month or so. But uh, what's your thoughts on this Dubon? Because I liked him. I had bids in on him. I didn't have anything this high on him. But I could see the appeal to run out there for another week or two. I don't see the appeal at this price. Is kind of I mean, even at 88 bucks, like in a 12-teamer, I can't do it. I, I just – there's not enough juice there. He – obviously, Dubon's giving you the batting average right now and runs which so if you need runs i get it i just he's not running one stolen base he's you mentioned zero barrels he's not a power guy he will give you some but again the handful brantley's already in rehab games will brantley take over the leadoff spot when he returns or will, will brantley slot into the two spot pushing everyone back that's to be determined but you know brantley's batting top two in that lineup because dusty's already pretty much said that at least he did he said that back in spring but usually dusty's pretty when it comes to his guys you know dusty always takes care of his guys it's a weird thing with dusty baker you should know that better than anybody i'm sure oh he's lovely he's a piece <laughs> he, he loves he loves his players no matter what and he loves his stick veteran with them. players loves yes his veteran that's players. he loves his history right as well i meant his guy he has his guys and they usually are vets yes but yeah so i think at the end of the day i guess i kind of get it but for the most part i don't agree with the price and i'm not trying to price shame anybody but i, I i'm just i think it's short-lived for a very very a skill set that could just fall out, fall off the just there's that floor that just if he suddenly doesn't hit for average, what is he giving you? Runs, maybe? Like, I don't know. You're two categories. No, I'm good, man. Yeah, if you want bad average and runs, run with it. Otherwise, not much. Uh, last guy I want to bring up here before I have another little twist on this deal. Jack Sawinski added in 102 leagues as high as 88 bucks, as low as a dollar. We kind of hit on him earlier. A nice power source. You can stream him while he has his moments. Uh, big week last week. He had four, uh, four home runs. Three of them were in Coors, so that obviously helps the uh, the stat line. Still a very solid week, hitting 255 on the season. Stat cast metrics are 25% barrel, 56% hard hit. We know who he is. He's actually, to me, overachieving a bit compared to last season, hitting 255 to go with all this fun. How sustainable? I don't know. But he was definitely a guy I was targeting where I could get him. for. Again, I don't break banks when I put bids in, so I was trying to get him where I could at an affordable price. So with Sawinski, I just I think I don't know if we talked about him on the air or was before we press record. It was just we kind of I think the comp was Joey Gallo in terms of just yeah. was, yes. was it? Yeah, I don't know anymore because I think we talked that means we talked about him three times today. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure we mentioned it before. Just that's what he is. It's just you know runs hot, runs cold. Like what, before this last week, he was wasn't even playing every day. So that gives you an idea. Like the Pirates are kind of letting hot bats stay in the lineup. The Pirates have done this with Connor Joe, Sawinski as well. Uh, what? Jiwan Bay initially, 
Bay was getting that full run because he was running starting hot. Now Rodolfo Castro just being the better, I guess, better glove at shortstop is why he's playing as much. But it's one of those things where I've noticed the Pirates outside their top four, five in that lineup, they were kind of just like, hey, oh, you're batting well. Stay in there. Okay, you suck. Come on out. Like, that's what the Pirates have been doing. I think they're just doing that with Swinsky because Swinsky was at one point it was like starting and then platooned right away and then wasn't even playing every day on the with what should have been the strong side platoon and suddenly he picked up a little bit of steam and kept going so i think as long as he's doing that as long as swinsky's doing that the pirates are going to trot him out there you start him but you're right i'm with you he wasn't worth breaking the bank for i do understand if you but i'm very power needy i'm just trying to be cheap as well so i got lucky with carrie carpenter who only hit the one home run since i got him but all these right it's like a similar idea i think carrie carpenter and swinsky are kind of in that same conversation where you kind of have to try to get ahead of the market on these guys that we can make the most profit on them, you know, look at and all that. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to address needs. And although it is still early to say what you truly need, you start getting, I think you're starting, I think we're starting to get an idea of where your team's a little uh, deficient in and you kind of have to start addressing it. And Swinsky is that, that big power upside play, but you just know it comes with the fact that he could be out of a regular spot and by the end of the week as well. Yeah. The last thing I want to mention before we talk about our ad drops for the week uh, make sure you guys check your waiver wire because these players were available in 12 team OCs. I went for over 300 bucks this past week. Uh, Chris Sale was available in five leagues. Alec Manoa in one. Uh, Patrick Wisdom in a nice 69 leagues. Eloy Jimenez in one. Brett Beatty was out there. AJ Puck was in two. Woodruff was in two. I know he's out for a while, but speculation wise, maybe. Um, below 300 bucks, Gilito, Polanco, Masataka Yoshida. Um, there are some big boy names out there that uh, I would definitely make sure you, you peruse your waiver wire. Let's put it that way. All right, Mr. Curlin, it is that time of the show to talk about our fab results from the week. If you are ready, the floor is yours. I've made two. Uh, I made a whole two editions uh, this week. This was a very, very laid back week for me. And I, I feel like I shouldn't have gone this way. I just wanted to take a shot. I'm usually very anti strikeout rates in the minors. And we saw Christopher Morrell have a bad strikeout rate in spring, a terrible one early on here, 29% basically in the minors with a 15.7% walk rate. So we know he could do both of those. But Morrell's on fire, seven home runs, two stolen bases, batting 333. And this team is very anemic, the Cubs team is, at, towards the end of the bottom of that lineup. Him coming up and having a chance to produce – I don't see why they're holding him back. He's already on the 40 man. I wanted Mervis more, but Mervis went for a lot more in my league. And I, w- I would have drafted, I would have gone last week, but I just, again, it goes back to now. I have Bayo, Bello, uh, Bayo, sorry. I have Bayo on my team. And now it's like, well, Morel might just be a drop if he's not up by the end of the week after all that. But uh, it's more of a speculative ad because in a deeper format where if he comes up, I just save myself 50 to hundred dollars having a bid on him type of thing. Yep. So there, uh, there's that. And then the other guy was, um, was the other guy? Oh, uh, Jose Barrera, which just goes back to he's playing every day. He's four games, four appearances away from getting off of the eligibility to go with the shortstop. And I have Bryce Terang, who's kind of slowed down. I got the fun stats from him to start off the year. I'm willing to take a shot on Barrera in my middle infield spot. And I wanted some de- – I like having a position – I like being able to have at least one guy on my bench that covers every position. And the only thing I was lacking was a player able to play middle infield on my bench. So if a – if a uh, Terang or somebody got hurt, I'd be screwed with no extra middle infielder. So that's kind of address that need of not taking zeros slash addressing what I feel like is a slow going Terang right now. And Terang gets three lefties at the end of the week. And there's a chance that I'm sure he might play against them, but he just, they usually platoon him. I know injuries have helped him stay in the lineup against lefties, but if Terang's not producing, 
give me a guy that is producing decently and a guy who has, you know, Great America Small Park at home. That's all that was, was like kind of a, an insurance policy. So I kept it cheap, kept it simple, and I'm kind of just banking on upside, hoping I was a week early on Morel, who should be up soon if he keeps hitting what he's hitting. Yeah, Mervis, Morel, those are a couple guys I like to see stashed, especially in deeper formats. Uh, for me, I had some fun in OCs this week. I did a lot of roster churning is what I would say. Um, in my, one of my OCs, I did add Jorge Polanco, dropped Ezekiel Tovar, uh, $91 to 59 so I overpaid a bit there. I added Bryce Elder, dropped Hunter Gaddis, um, added Max Kepler, dropped Joey Weimer, added Trevor Larnick, dropped Alec Burleson. I like their matchups at the end of the week with Minnesota. And then I had Jolie LaCasey and dropped Nick Pavetta. So Kepler's leading of, off today, baby. Woo! Yep, yep. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Uh, in my second OC, I added Joey Gallo, dropped Alec Burleson. Uh, at outfield situation in St. Louis, not fun anymore. Uh, added Joey LaCasey, dropped Hunter Gaddis. Added Edward Cabrera, dropped Ryan Nelson. And then added Max Kepler, dropped Drake Fraley. Uh, Fraley will be a, a guy that Mike and I talked about before the show. He'll have his weeks, his hot stretches. He's also just uh, in a 12-team league. Like That's who you also compared Sawinski to. Like He can be a Sawinski kind of guy, or you just kind of like churn and burn these outfield positions in a 12, and Fraley has turned into that guy. Like TJ Friedel, who I have on almost every team I had Fraley in, is playing better than Jake Fraley. And then I added Connor Joe, dropped Ramon Laureano, who's on the IL, and I just didn't even like him before the IL. I uh, added Wilmer Flores, dropped Nick Gordon, added Elvis Andrus, dropped Joey Weimer, added Jan Gomes, dropped Logan Ohapi. So uh, that one stung there, but I had a lot of needs to change in my roster. I've been very, I'm being more aggressive this season, but not breaking the bank stupid aggressive is my point. Uh, in my other OC, I added Joey Gallo, dropped Alec Burleson, added Jose Quijada, dropped Tristan Casas. I kind of gave up on him for now. Added Joey Lacassi, dropped Dre Jameson, added Max Kepler, dropped Jake Fraley, added Garrett Cooper, dropped Oswaldo Cabrera, who is playing okay as real-life baseball, but not for fantasy. Uh, and then added Rodolfo Castro, who I love, dropped Edward Julian. Um, so, yeah, a lot of churning and burning in the OC worlds for me this week. All right, Mr. Curlin, before we head out of here, we've got a couple listener questions from our boy, um, who was it that sent him to us? I have him right here. Just give me two <laughs> seconds. He's uh, your boy, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe G. Joe G. I want to make sure I said it right. A um, couple quickies here. Is it time to drop spring training sleeper Jake Fraley? For me, it was. What about you, Curlin? I, I'm fine with it in 12s and 15s you're holding. Yes. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. Fair way to put it. Uh, he says, will the playing time be there for Oswaldo Peraza? Boone said DJ will be at third base. Yeah, that's all over the boards. I don't know even what to consider that as Walter Praza situation has been very confusing for me. Uh, I've seen it as he said that and then proceeded to start Praza too straight at third base. So yeah. I, I don't that's, know. Yeah. That's the part that I think Praza is up. I think he's. I think Praza is going to play between second base and third base most of the time. Giving and again, Torres could just not be healthy either. Because Torres, I I saw the splits before and after that little hip issue that kind of brought him out of the game early once, like last week or so. And you see the production kind of slipping after a very very fast start for Torres. So a way to keep Torres healthy is let him DH, and I think that's going to help keep Torres Lemayu. I think Praz is just going to fit into that rotation, kind of like Cabrera kind of plays third base sometimes, plays the outfield, and keeps everyone healthy. Everyone's moving in and out of the lineup, and I think Praz is going to play like five out of seven, maybe. Maybe he overtakes Volpe someday. 
I don't um, know, man. Volpe, yeah. they, they they love that kid. They're, they're leaving they him off. And he's not even forwards. playing that well, man. He steals some bags. The other night, he ain't doing crap. So um, I'm curious on that one. Uh, the other question that Joe G has is Costas a drop and non-keeper mixed roto. He was for me. What about you, Curlin? Same idea. Shallower formats. I, even in deeper formats, I'm looking to at least bench him. Like it's yeah, he's, it's a hard. That's a tough drop. It's a tough drop. But who you drop? It depends who's there. Who you dropping him for? You know, in a deeper format anyway. But in a shallower format, yeah, he's. He's one of those guys that was already kind of fringe in that weird, like fringe 12, 12 team corner field spot. Kind of a guy you picked up for upside, but he's not doing it. So why force him on your roster? I don't think he's a difference maker in power as it is. So if he's not hitting for batting average or anything else, kind of should just move on. Yep. I'm with you on that one. And on that note, my friend, that'll wrap up another episode. Uh, any final thoughts as we head into another fun week of action? Plug away what you want to plug, whatever you got. I just want power production, please. That's all I ask for. I don't need I don't need followers anymore. I don't I don't need anybody to check out my work. Just somebody hit a home run for my team. That's all. That's all. That's how I'm gonna end today. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully it comes. <laughs> I think it will. We're gonna start heating up around baseball. So expect some of the fun to begin. Hopefully pitchers stay healthy and all that good stuff. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back again next week with another fab episode. I got another bench with Bubba coming up on Thursday for you with a special guest. We'll have a, a fun week ahead, but more importantly, go check out patreon.com backslash GTE fantasy to see myself and Curlin's work. Plus the work that's better than both of ours from Michael Simeone and Jorge. Whoa, Montanez. whoa, whoa, whoa. I know. I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. Hey, by the way, when you go look at our group chat, Simeone's got stuff for you. So have some fun with that. You think, you think uh, I've been texting? I've been oh, doing okay, Twitter think, blowing up this whole damn episode. Okay, good. So yeah, <laughs> Simeone's got you going really good, but yeah, come check us out over there. It's a blast. It's a good time. Lots of good content. Lots of good people. Uh, so have fun with that. But more importantly, hope you guys have a great week. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 584. Catch you guys next time. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.